Welcome back. You're listening to In Situ Science, where each episode we meet a different scientist and find out what a life and career in science is like behind the scenes. I'm your host, James O'Hanlon, and this episode, I'm joined by a great big bunch of people in the Django Bar celebrating National Science Week. Give it up. Make some noise. Thank you very much. Nice. Well done. Welcome back. Happy National Science Week, everyone. Welcome to the Sydney Science Festival. Welcome to the Django Bar. Welcome to In Situ Science. Tonight is all about science and exploring the weird and wonderful ways that science collides with everyday life. Being a scientist is a weird way to exist. It's living a life where the extraordinary just sort of clashes with the ordinary in weird and wonderful ways, you know? You can spend a day clambering away at the very edge of human knowledge, adventuring into the unknown abyss, but making sure you take regular breaks to change nappies, sometimes even of your child's. It can mean you know, crafting a grand thesis over months, explaining the significance of your contributions to the future knowledge of humanity, sending it away to be decimated into the future, only to have it sent back by the editor because it's in the wrong font. The people that put up with this sort of career path are passionate, creative, curious, dedicated, and hopefully, for the benefit of you guys, mildly entertaining. Are you ready to meet some of these people? Are you ready to welcome them on stage? All right, I'd like you to help me make feel very welcome. First of all, from New South Wales Health and the University of Sydney, it is entomologist and media darling, Cameron Webb. Come up on stage, Cameron. Good, grab a microphone, take a seat. Next up, from the University of Technology, Sydney, marine biologist and Antarctic explorer, Katerina Petru, come on up on stage. Thank you. From the University of New South Wales, herpetologist by day, dance choreographer by night, Fonty Carr. Where is she? Come on up. Finally, running off our panel, from the University of Sydney, medicinal chemist, and before you ask, I'm pretty sure he can't write prescriptions for you, Samuel Bannister. Where is he? Coming up on stage. Nice. Thank you. Grab a microphone, guys. Get comfy in your stalls. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Make friends with that microphone. Get used to it. All right. Well... Just by means of introduction, we have a whole range of people here, probably some science fans, maybe even some real scientists, maybe people that walked into the wrong event and are too shy to walk out, they're meant to be upstairs. So, to introduce yourselves, I'd like you just to give a brief, you know, elevator pitch for what type of research you do. And I'm going to help you out here, or for the benefit of the audience, if you say something that maybe is a little bit jargony, or I don't understand, I'm just going to give you a little gentle... You know, nothing, no, no, just polite, not, not all passive-aggressive at all. Just a reminder to maybe re-explain things. Katerina, I'd, like I'd like to start with you. Can you tell us about the work you do? Sure. Um, well, as you rightly said, I'm a marine biologist. Uh, my field in particular actually looks at microscopic organisms that float in the ocean, known as phytoplankton. <laughs> phytoplankton, a single-celled Protists. <laughs> Protists are one of the main 
kingdoms, I guess. <laughs> okay. All right. If you have plants, animals, fungi, protists are another one of those groups of organisms. Good job. <laughs> and like plants, phyto phytoplankton photosynthesize. They are able to capture energy from sunlight and use CO2 and convert that into uh, carbon, so organic carbon. Can I pull you off on CO2? Oh, <laughs> carbon dioxide. Everyone okay with carbon dioxide? Good. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so they're able to photosynthesize. Through Which photosynthesis, they create, uh, they grow, and that actually is the base of the food web of the entire marine uh, ecosystem. Food web ecosystem? All of that. Ah. Uh, well, they are the foundation organism that is fed through all <laughs> organisms beyond that. So whales rely on phytoplankton. Krill, uh, copepods rely on phytoplankton. Fish rely on... Everything above that relies on phytoplankton. So they're just the bottom of everything. They Everything's the eating them. Everything. They don't eat anything. They eat sunlight. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and carbon dioxide. All right. All right. Good job. Round of applause for Canarina. And Thank hang you very on. much. Oh, good. Sorry. And what I actually do is I investigate. <laughs> you don't just look at them under a microscope. You actually they do more beautiful. than that. Yeah. They are beautiful. But no, what I do is my, my lab and I, we investigate how they respond to climate change impacts. So some of the stresses that are being put on the marine environment... Stresses. Such as increased CO2 <laughs> in the seawater, carbon dioxide, or increased ocean temperatures, or changes in any of those normal parameters that they live within, environmental constraints, uh, <laughs> their comforts, outside of their comfort zone, anything right. that might be considered unusual. And um, we try and find out how that affects their physiology and biology, their physical wellness, health. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Maybe. Thank you very much. Round of applause. <laughs> Fonty, what do you do? Oh, that bell is so scary. <laughs> I flinch every time now. <laughs> uh, I study lizards. And I... That's fine, it's fine. <laughs> and I look... I'm, I'm, I put them in different environments, mm -hmm. such as different temperatures, and I look at how that messes them up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, where is this going? <laughs> so I, I look at things like behaviour, so how they do lizard things. <laughs> like You're very around. cautious here. <laughs> Uh, their physiology or their physical well-being. Nice, <laughs> Thanks, good. Katarina. Uh, as well as their decisions on making babies and decisions on how they grow and stuff like that. Wait, who, who's deciding? Babies or parents? <laughs> lizards are deciding. <laughs> <laughs> but the baby lizards? Yes. Okay. They, well, their choices later in life. All right. Yeah. As, uh, you were too cautious that time, Ponty. You, play, you played the game. <laughs> All right. Right of applause for Ponty. Thank you very much. Cameron, can you tell us a little bit about what you do? So I spend my summers chasing mosquitoes, 
in uh, wetlands around New South Wales. And what I'm trying to understand is that what makes mosquito populations go up and down in the hope of stopping Australians getting sick from mosquito bites. You've done this before. Yeah. <laughs> well, mosquitoes are easy. <laughs> All right. Well, they are the most charismatic of Australian wildlife. So. <laughs> By charismatic, I mean beautiful and fascinating. Anybody care to disagree? While we're <laughs> all right. Well, all right. I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna grill you on that a little bit more. I think we need to get to the bottom of that. Right of applause for Cameron. These, these guys are. Uh, I think we've been playing this game a little bit too long. You guys are, are pre prepared for this. I'm assuming. Sam, <laughs> what do you do? I, I make drugs. <laughs> Everyone knows what drugs are. Round of applause for that. Sam, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> What type of drugs, Sam? Um, so I have sort of two research tracks, and, and one's looking at uh, good drugs, hopefully good drugs. Such as? So drugs that are derived from... Drugs that are similar to things found in cannabis, things found in weed. <laughs> nice. If you could restrict yourself to street speech tonight, <laughs> that'd, that'd be great. That'd really help me out. Good. Yeah, so, so we're looking at how we can take some of these compounds found in weed and make them... Pull you up on compounds. Sorry. Uh, some of these natural products, some of these chemicals found yes. in weed. Good. And turn them into useful drugs for things like pediatric epilepsy, for childhood seizures. <laughs> oh, everybody just got that. Good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Round of applause for Tim. Thank you very much. All right. Good job, guys. So I want to know, we're, we're going to get deep into the questions, but I feel like I have to get some really obvious ones out of the way, particularly for Cameron. Let's just get this over and done with, all right? Why do some people get bitten by mozzies, mozzies more than others? If I eat bananas, will I get bitten more? If I eat meat, will I get bitten more? If I eat asparagus, will my pee smell? <laughs> No, no, yes. <laughs> but that's beyond my area of expertise, so I don't know if I feel quite qualified to comment on the asparagus. So. <laughs> okay. So, so, so let's unpack that question. Yes. What, what, was the, what was the first thing you want to want to eat to avoid? Why do some bites? people get bitten more than others? So, if you're feeling sympathetic, you tell people that they're bitten by mosquitoes uh, more because they've got sweet blood. Um, but that but, would be a lie. But that would be a lie. Okay. Um, it's probably because their skin smells a bit more like a chicken or a cow or <laughs> a kangaroo, maybe, or something. Tell <laughs> them that. I'm sure they'll take that the right way. It's meant to be a compliment. So, <laughs> so all mosqui all, um, almost all mosquitoes need blood, but it's only the females that need blood. She needs that nutritional hit to develop her eggs. But uh, the animals mosquitoes uh, feed on can vary quite a lot. So some mosquitoes like to feed on birds, some like to feed on mammals, some of them even will eat lizards or bite lizards. Um, and so some... <laughs> Sorry. Um, and so 
we think that the way that mosquitoes work out uh, the difference between animals is basically their skin smell. So all of us breathe out carbon dioxide that attracts mosquitoes. Um, but then when they get closer, they kind of react to the smell of chemical compounds on our skin. And um, if, yeah, if you smell a bit more like a bird, maybe you'll be bitten by those mozzies that bite birds. Um, and if you smell a bit more like a cow, you'll get bitten by those mosquitoes that like to bite uh, cows. <laughs> so the different species of mosquitoes have different bird cow preferences or individual mosquitoes or what? Yeah, they certainly do. So uh, in Australia, we've got about 300 different types of mosquito. And some of them are very specific in the animals they like to feed on, um, but some of them are very generalist. So the ones that uh, are the biggest pests to us and the ones that transmit um, or cause outbreaks of disease are usually ones that feed off animals and people. But then we've got mosquitoes that like to feed on birds. It doesn't matter how many of them are in the local environment, they won't bother you. And there's even mozzies that uh, like to feed off frogs and stuff like that. So um, very, very specific. Truly the most beautiful animals that Australia has, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, I concur. <laughs> but so to tie that into the second question, you can't smell more like a cow by eating cows and getting bitten more. Yeah, so um, one, probably one of the biggest urban myths that, that I'm asked about is uh, what can I eat or drink to stop mosquitoes biting me? And, and the short answer is nothing. Um, so we do As in fast and then you won't get bitten? <laughs> You could, it doesn't matter how fast you eat, that doesn't kind of make any difference. Um, look, we, we know that sometimes your diet will change a little bit how many mosquitoes will bite you. Um, uh, one of the most sort of famous studies on, on this is um, uh, scientists uh, took aside two groups of volunteers. Uh, one volunteers had nice uh, icy glasses of water. Uh, the other one had uh, nice cold beers. And the people that were drinking beer kind of attracted more mosquitoes um, than, than the water drinkers. But the, but the thing is, is that the mozzies were biting the water drinkers as well. And this is kind of replicated in all of these sort of studies, is that you know, maybe you can shift the numbers of mosquitoes that bite you, but your diet won't protect you from mosquito bites. So whether you're eating bananas or drinking gin and tonics or if having Vegemite on your toast every morning, if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, you'll be bitten by a mosquito. And it only takes one mosquito bite to sort of spread some of these um, uh, pathogens that cause disease. So you can't rely on your, your diet alone to protect yourself from mozzie bites. All right. Thanks, Cameron. Sam, I'm going to guess you get asked the same question over and over again. Probably something along the lines of, oh, can I get any free samples type of, type of questions? Yeah, the, the free samples. Can you make drugs? <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> Will you? That's, that's a different question. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I did uh, just want to clarify, you definitely can't write prescriptions. I cannot write, pres I, I can <laughs> write prescriptions, I cannot legally write prescriptions. <laughs> you could take them to a chemist, it probably is not going to work, yeah. I have access to a notepad via my wife, but it's, yeah, I shouldn't really be using that legally. Oh, so you have connections is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well connected. You might want to talk to Sam after the show, just in case. <laughs> but so you're working on... Wacky tobacco, as as they call it. Do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite euphemism? A favorite euphemism yeah. for cannabis? Mary Jane, uh, devil's toothpaste. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, the most common one is obviously the devil's lettuce. <laughs> That's is, the one. That's yeah, <laughs> the, the, old, the devil's lettuce. <laughs> so that your favorite then? Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. But you're hang on. So you're working on drugs that are in this magical plant. But you're not necessarily dealing with the like illicit side of the the plant itself, right? What what's the bit of the plant that you're interested in? 
it, it's all pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, we, we do deal, I mean, you have to deal a little bit with some of the illicit compounds that are in there, but it's, um, you know, it's manageable. <laughs> so, so we're more interested in the compounds that are not psychoactive than the compounds that are psychoactive, uh, you know, of which there is, only, there is only one major psychoactive component, and that's a tetrahydrocannabinol, or THC. Um, so we're less interested in that for therapeutic development, um, but we're more interested in things like cannabidiol, uh, cannabigerol, cannabichromine, these other... Which I have my bell. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's, it's right there. Feel, feel free to hit it. These, these non-psychoactive um, complex sort of molecules that are found in the plant. But if you're looking at it for, I think, like childhood seizures, I'm guessing you want it to be active in the brain, right? Yeah, yeah, and some of these compounds are active in the brain. We just don't really understand precisely um, how they're working. So, you know, cannabidiol, CBD, is actually approved for childhood seizures. Um, but we don't have a, a really good understanding of precisely how it's having that activity. So we're looking at that as well as designing sort of better molecules to, to improve its activity. And are people commonly prescribing this stuff or is it still a bit emerging? Yeah, so, so the FDA approved Epidiolex last year. Um, and this is a cannabis, cannabidiol derived from cannabis product. Um, so that's been approved for the US market. Uh, and a lot of people are using various extracts of cannabis itself, the plant. So herbal cannabis extracts containing uh, cannabidiol, high levels of cannabidiol. All right, I can already hear people writing in questions on their pads. I'm sure you're going to have fun tonight with those. Uh, Katerina, you, you work on climate change stuff. So I'm going to guess your most commonly asked question is, how much does the Chinese government pay you to spruik leftist ideology? Uh, what is that, am I actually? <laughs> or, or do you not field those sorts of questions? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's just denial. Good, good. Do you have any com most commonly asked questions then about what you do? What's what's algae? <laughs> Is that a commonly asked question? Um, I guess so. I guess so. But I gave a, a little bit of an introduction to what the microalgae I work on or the phytoplankton mm. I work with are. Um, Perhaps a fun fact is that they produce 50% of the oxygen we breathe. So they are actually a fundamental part of our existence as well. Um, oceans are a large space. They're 71% of the Earth's surface. So if they're filled with phytoplankton, um, all undergoing photosynthesis, then that's a lot of oxygen uh, being produced at any given time. Um, am I asking you? I'm often asked if I've seen a polar bear. Because <laughs> so you have not spent time in the North Pole. No, but I you go have to spent Antarctica. Time. Okay, what brought you to Antarctica? My research. So yes. I've, I've been to Antarctica a few times, um, both by boat where we go through the sea ice to look at the sea ice microalgae, as well as the phytoplankton, and also from the continent, staying at Davis Station, which is one of the Australian bases, uh, for seven to eight weeks at a time. Sea ice microalgae, in ice, on ice? In ice. Oh. So they get, when the, um, sea, the sea surface freezes, when it temperatures drop below two de minus two degrees, the seawater freezes and the, ice, the um, phytoplankton get trapped into that sea ice matrix. So they actually become embedded in the sea ice. And they photosynthesize when the sun returns in early spring. And they're just happy living in icebergs. Well, I don't know if they're happy, but they kind of <laughs> don't have a choice. But they're very important because they're the only food source during winter um, right. for the Antarctic marine food web. Animals. 
<laughs> of which polar bears aren't them. Of which polar bears are not. Good. We should probably just make that clear. No polar bears in, in the South Pole. But penguins, though. Lots of penguins. Lots of penguins. Okay. Good. Any, any commonly asked questions, Fonty? Oh. No. <laughs> no. Um, How do you catch lizards? Oh, that's always a, a common one. Um, <laughs> and I tell them I fish for them. And then that's Go like, on. How? Uh, I, basically, I carry an antenna ripped off from an old radio, and I tie some see-through fish line on the end, and at the end of that is a sinker that from a... <laughs> These are land lizards, right? No. <laughs> yes. And then at the end of the sinker, I have um, a bit of thread, and there's a little mealworm at the end, and they, they love it. <laughs> it's a free lunch. So, so it works just like a regular fishing run. They grab the mealworm and you, you don't dunk harm, them up? You don't ever hook a lizard. They just <laughs> grab onto the, to the, the mealworm and you swing them over a bracket. And they just drop when they realize, like, this is weird. <laughs> I'm in the air. And that's when they drop. So what, what type of lizards are we talking here? Big ones, little ones, These are bitey little ones. ones. Some people might know them as penny lizards. They're the coppery color ones you see in our backyards. They're, they're everywhere. And that's kind of why, one of the reasons why we study them, because they're so ubiquitous. So how little are their babies then, if you're looking at the oh baby God. ones? <laughs> they are so cute. <laughs> I love eggs. The eggs are the size of Tic Tacs. <laughs> and, then, and then the babies are like half an inch? Three centimeters? Two to three centimeters? Right. No, no, no. Middle of... Middle of yes. Wait. Metrics. I, don't do, I do metric oh. system, yeah. Oh. <laughs> half an inch? Yeah, half an inch. How, how much? It's like about a, one centimeter. Yeah, one yeah. centimeter. Very controversial, but they sound cuter than mosquitoes. Oh, God, they are. I was about to bust in before. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm being backed into a corner. <laughs> Speaking of beautiful, these beautiful mosquito creatures then, can you really get Ross River fever from them around here? Ye, sort of, Yes. <laughs> So um, beautiful creatures there. <laughs> well, so so mosquitoes are the deadliest animals on the planet. <laughs> and I don't know why you're laughing when half a million people so die every year because of mosquito-borne disease. Um, hundreds of millions of people get sick. Um, but here in Australia, we're, we're pretty lucky. We're free of a lot of those really serious mosquito-borne diseases. But Ross River virus. Um, causes the most commonly reported mosquito-borne disease in Australia. There's about 5,000 cases every year. Um, but Ross River virus is a really uniquely Australian uh, pathogen. And so mosquitoes don't hatch out of the wetlands carrying the virus before they can um, give it to us when they inject us with their virus-spiked saliva. Uh, they've got to pick up the virus from uh, kangaroos and wallabies, so mostly native animals. So even though there's a bunch of mosquitoes, um, in summer we'll be flying around um, this suburb that we're in now, they'll bite you, but you probably have a pretty low chance of coming down with any of these diseases. But the minute you start to spend time around the edges of metropolitan areas or you go to rural or regional areas where there are wetlands, mozzies and wildlife, the chances of um, contracting a mosquito-borne disease dramatically increase. All right, so being in close proximity to both mozzies and wallabies. Mol yeah, mozzies, wallabies and wetlands yeah. uh, are a nice uh, mix for increasing the disease risk. All right, so we've covered some of the most commonly asked questions. Can you guys think of any hairy questions that you get that sort of make you just go, oh, I might just run to the bathroom and, uh, and talk about that later and then just never come back? Those sorts of questions. 
so while everybody else thinks I, there, there, there are um, uh, almost everybody has a, a mosquito story to tell me and and one of the most common is that um, somebody's uncle or some friend's uncle has made their own mosquito repellent nice. in, in the garage down the end of the street and I sort of think this might be um, you know, speaks to the Australian character that we don't want to go and buy the very cheap and safe mosquito repellent that we get at the supermarket. We need to mix up our own. Um, and so usually somebody will ask me about, um, you know, can I test their homemade mosquito repellent that it contains a whole bunch of things that's probably going to dissolve my skin. Um, and so, yeah, so maybe we, Sam and I can col- collaborate on these kind of uh, toxic chemicals that people are mixing up in their garages to stop mosquito bites. Yeah, you'd know a thing about backyard laboratories, Sam Rage. Sure. Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but speaking of dissolving skin, what's the verdict on DEET these days? So DEET, or which is commonly known as dithyltolemide, is really the gold... <laughs> no, I'm done with that. I cannot bell. explain. <laughs> I'll defer to Sam on that one. But that's the chemical name for DEET. So that's the most commonly used active ingredient in all the mosquito repellents that are sold in Australia. So if you go into a supermarket or a pharmacy, and you, even though there are all those different formulations and different brands and different colours and tubes and sticks and gels and sprays, almost all of them have um, DEET in them. And it's been used for about 70 years now, uh, probably saved uh, millions and millions of lives. And basically, the, 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 the most common adverse effects that you would get is sometimes some people get a bit of mild skin reaction, but all of the really severe reactions are if you drink it, um, <laughs> get, it get it in your eye, um, or if you're a bit overzealous and put it on very young babies. But generally speaking, it's kind of a really a super safe and effective um, product to stop mosquito bites. And you're not at all sponsored by Bushman's in any way. I, I, have, I, I, I have worked for almost every company that's, that makes mosquito repellents in Australia, so I feel like I've got a conflict of interest right across the board. So um, Good, but at least you're declaring it. Deed is the best. There you yeah. go. Deed is one of the best. Available at all good stockists. Sam, hairy questions. You'd rather not answer. It's also it's the same as the most common questions. It's can you, can you make drugs? And it just gets more specific in terms of the drugs and the quantities. And, and I get a bit awkward and sort of just walk away smiling nervously. <laughs> because you're dealing with these chemicals, is there like, are there legal procedures that you have to follow to say it's all right for me to have this in my lab and be doing this stuff? Yeah, it's called the law. You have to follow the law <laughs> at, at all times. <laughs> So you don't buy it from the back of a truck? <laughs> no, that's no. definitely frowned upon. Yeah, so we have to apply for an authority, a state authority from New South Wales Health to manufacture, possess, supply, you know, whatever we want to work with. And we basically explain in this nice bureaucratic form and letter why we want it and why we think we should be allowed to play with it. And then has to be stored and, uh, and used subject to a whole bunch of really lengthy conditions <laughs> in the response letter. All right. Well, Katarina Fonti, hairy, hairy lizard questions? There are no hairy lizards. No, no, no but I've, we've got... So my old lab at the Lizard Lab at Macquarie University, where I used to work, we have a Facebook page and we get some hairy questions there <laughs> a lot. One of my favourites was like, can I eat... I, I hear that you can eat this gecko and it will fix... <laughs> cancer so how much can i sell it for <laughs> at, the, at the local market and we're like citing all these things like don't eat lizards it's not linked to reducing cancer etc cetera, etc cetera. but um 
I don't know what happened from that. <laughs> there was no reply after that. There was a news article in the paper a couple of days later. Man dies from eating gecko. Nothing like that. <laughs> Luckily, leopard geckos aren't. At least I know are, to- are toxic. So you can eat them. Well, don't. They're so cute. <laughs> Katerina. Can't say I've really had any hairy questions about phytoplankton. No. Um, <laughs> We do have some toxic ones, but oh. that's, a, that's a whole different matter. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they cause a lot of deaths as well. Probably not as many as mosquitoes, but things like paralytic shellfish poisoning and ciguatera mm. and various other diseases that um, can occur in humans come from the food source, which is the phytoplankton that the fish are eating. So we, the fish and the um, shellfish. So, yeah. So, no hairy questions. Well, you, well, your research covers everything from oceanography to algalology to everything. What do you What do you call yourself when asked? What ologist are you? Technically, a phycologist. Oh. So, phycology is the study of algae, um, and so I'm an E- a phycological ecophysiologist. <laughs> <laughs> so I just say marine biologist. <laughs> phycological ecophysiologist. All right, good. You never just say biologist. Well, I usually say biologist or marine biologist. Okay, to be good. specific. Yeah. Guys, favorite go-to ologist? Is it dependent on situation? I think just chemists. Chemists. <laughs> I don't know if there is an ology. Is there? People don't just assume you. Pharmacology. Work yeah, we do a bit of that. That's not really what I do, though. Not so much. Local yeah, drug dealer? Dealerologist. How often do you get, say, oh, do you work at, you know, the Priceline when you say uh, you're a chemist? Yeah, yeah, quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> is that technically pharmacist? Is that the yeah, phrase? Yeah, that's a pharmacist for sure, but it's, uh, yeah, I guess it varies between countries too. So UK and US use different terms. So yeah, it depends where you are, but yeah, definitely a common confusion. All right. Uh, Cameron, a dipterologist, is that a thing? It sure is. Although technically we'd, we'd call ourselves a medical entomologist. So oh, I'm, I think ooh. I've seen them in CSI. <laughs> I guess you could. Um, <laughs> well, I guess medical entomology is really the study of... Um, you know, insects and arthropods that have some sort of medical significance. So if something bites, stings, spreads disease-causing pathogens, or just generally annoys you, uh, that kind of falls into our scope of study. And so at the extremes, sort of forensic entomology might kind of, there's a bit of an overlap there. So um, not that I'd do any of that, but uh, there, yeah, there would be on CSI. <laughs> Good. Or the X-Files, depending on where your references <laughs> lie. Fonty, how often do you have to explain your ologist? Uh, not often, because I often go, I study animal behaviour. Okay. Instead, instead of going, I'm a behavioural ecologist. Mm. I haven't tried out I'm a herpetologist, because I feel like I'm not, uh, I'm not a herpetologist specifically. What, why? So can you explain what a herpetologist so is a herpetologist for people? A herpetologist is a person that studies herptofauna. So that's your snakes, your lizards, and your frogs, and salamanders, and... and and, and friends. Yeah. <laughs> and no. Um, and what was the question? <laughs> Why don't you consider yourself a herpetologist? I feel like you're being hard on yourself. Oh, uh, no, no. I'm just being picky, I think. Because <laughs> I use lizards to answer the questions that I want to answer and address, but 
I'm more interested in the behavior side of things. And you can ask behavioral questions in anything that floats the boat. All right, good. Did you ever, was, was it a plan to be an ologist? <laughs> no, 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 I don't think so. Is it still a plan? What I want to know is, do you, do you guys all have career plan Bs? I feel like this is a common thing in science. You know, we're, as I said at the beginning, we're all sort of creative, curious people. We tend to, whenever I talk to scientists, they always have these other obscure interests, and it's almost like they're holding on to them just in case one day they need to jump ship. <laughs> Who's willing to confess their plan B? Are you talking about a plan B from this point forward? <laughs> or, or Running as, as young kids? <laughs> yes, it, it should. You know, you get fired for gross misconduct. Uh, you know, whatever. For releasing mosquitoes accidentally yes. or something like that. Yes. I, I think I. Um, I think I want to become an algalologist so I can go to Antarctica. <laughs> um, when I was, uh, you know, fresh out of high school, I, I think I was wanting to be a uh, meteorologist. I did work experience at the Bureau of Meteorology, which was pretty awesome. And so I like the idea of kind of uh, living in a lighthouse in some extreme part of Australia, just filling out the information on the forms every time when I check the thermometer and things like that. Um, so I think I maybe had a bit more of a romantic idea of what a meteorologist was. But um, yeah, I kind of liked that idea. And, and so, yeah, unfortunately, got mixed up with mosquitoes. I always wanted to live in a lighthouse because I run the twist. <laughs> then I find out people don't live in them anymore. It's all robots. <laughs> Anyone else have a career plan B? Well, there are meteorologists down in Antarctica, so you know, oh. that could be the other option. We, we often work with people from BOM down there. Yeah, so, either the, so I either shift careers, which might take a little bit of time, um, but maybe, um, maybe you need some ectoparasite person down there to pull the ticks and lice off penguins or something <laughs> like that. Oh, that. That's probably a better pathway, of a pathway for me to get to Antarctica, I think. <laughs> Good. Can you organise that? <laughs> Collaborations forming do. right now. Let's do this. I pack, I pack light and um, <laughs> I could bring some uh, cookies or something on the boat. Um, yeah, bring some thick socks. Uh, you'll need them. <laughs> Maybe a hot water bottle. You'll be fine. Yeah. Right. Thanks, James. No worries. Well, I got this. Anybody else plan Bs other than dance choreography? Plenty. That, that's not a thing. <laughs> I take the occasional dance class. You're really, you're really upselling me. <laughs> For a little while, I wanted to be a wedding planner before before signing up to a science undergrad. That sounds awful. What? No, I liked organising things. <laughs> that was the intrinsic need to put things in order. But why wedding planning? I, I think they're somewhat happy occasions, right? <laughs> I don't know. No, it's okay. I, I, I hope I so to, in I, most cases. Yeah, when I go to weddings, everyone's happy crying and... And there's food and there's wine. I don't know. And it all comes together into this beautiful thing. So. But if you're responsible for that and it goes wrong. <laughs> ooh, ooh. But I'm that good. It all perfect, perfect. It just sits perfectly. I'll you buy you. Done. <laughs> <laughs> got an upcoming wedding, Sam. No. no. <laughs> Do you want to start organising events for in-situ science? I'm kind of getting bored. <laughs> we'll talk later. All right, great, good. Plan Bs? Anything? Uh, I am, I'll, I'll shamelessly announce it because I did quite enjoy it, but I am a rated skydiving instructor in the US. Uh, not here, unfortunately, <laughs> but... You can uh, applaud that, that's yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I would probably do that. My wife tells me it's not lucrative enough and I get, <laughs> I get bored and, you know, I, I disagree strongly and verbally at every opportunity. Uh, so that may actually still happen. <laughs> All right. Maybe I, I think that happens to be. 
I, I'm throwing all these out and I have a lot of questions. <laughs> How does one become a rated skydiving instructor? A few hundred skydives, you learn how the gear works, you undergo some training with an instructor. Do you learn before or after you've done the 200 skydives? <laughs> <laughs> learning on the job. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, there's not too much on-the-fly learning. It's, uh, it's fairly focused because the consequences can be severe, as you might imagine. Um, yeah, so yeah, you do a few, few hundred jumps and then you undertake a course, which is really about how you teach people how to uh, relax in highly stressful situations. <laughs> And do the things that they've been taught to do many times on the ground in free fall. <laughs> yeah. So this is lots of lying on the floor doing this, practicing Yeah, yeah, we have little, yeah, little boards, these little dolly <laughs> systems that we use, and people like pose on them, and you give feedback, teach them how to understand the signals that you give, um, and teach them how to manipulate their body to stay stable and falling belly to earth so that they deploy their parachute at the right altitude without killing you or anyone else that's on the skydive. <laughs> Perfect. Was this a, a career option at any stage, or is this like a side project? Yeah, if I if I bought a sweet camper van and lived out of it on the drop zone in Davis, yeah, definitely a career option. But yeah, my wife wasn't so into it, but she's just unimaginative, I think. <laughs> is she here tonight by any chance? She's, she's not here. All right. So it's not like this is going to be broadcast anywhere else. Is, is, is this tonight. being recorded? No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Plan B's, anything? I can't say I've got a plan B. I uh, don't know where I'll end up. I did, I was, a, a, before a, I went into science, I was actually a dance teacher um, <gasps> and choreographer. So <laughs> I switched tack. This is my plan B, I think. <laughs> what type of dance? Classical ballet and contemporary. Oh. Is that, is that you, Fonti? What are you doing? Well, I've been taking contemporary classes and I did ballet. There's so many collaborations just forming on stage as we speak. You've got small businesses popping up left, right and centre. I think you guys will all be fine, <laughs> I think. <laughs> all right. What about... So you've been to Antarctica. Has anybody else been taken to exotic locales as part of their science? Yes? <laughs> what else? Well, um, I also work in the coral reef, so I also work in oh. the Great Barrier Reef and in You're Hawaii. all over the place. Yeah. Sounds terrible. <laughs> it's, it's a shock. This is why I don't have a plan B. I kind of like it. <laughs> Cameron, Parramatta River, is that exotic as it gets? I've been, I've stepped across most of the mangrove swamps of Parramatta River, which is yes. um, much, a much nicer place than either Antarctica or the coral reefs. <laughs> um, no, I, I think I think one of the mistakes I made as a as a, a younger scientist, I wish I'd kind of uh, spent a bit more time in some of the parts of the world where they do suffer kind of some of these big, uh, more serious mosquito-borne diseases. So some of the, um, you know, throughout the Pacific and and maybe Southeast Asia and maybe even Africa and places like that. Uh, I've had the chance to kind of go to uh, some areas in the Pacific and and do work there, and it's really um, quite fascinating. But uh, these days with um, a couple of young kids and stuff, I sort of try not to put myself in harm's way too often. <laughs> no worries. Sam uh, Nimbin, uh, <laughs> where's work take you? Such a stereotype. Yeah, I, I told you I was going to lean into it. Eh? <laughs> um, yeah, recently, nowhere especially exotic. No, you can really do chemistry anywhere, a lab or a kitchen or whatever, yeah. As long as they're nice labs in nice places, right? They, they are nice, yeah, our lab's very nice, yeah. Good. Fonty, where do you have to go? What are the wildest places you find lizards? For lizards, um, 
probably the wildest, because I collect really common lizards, so I don't go very far. Actually, the, I collect my lizards from Sydney Park, so that's <laughs> super close from here. But one of the closest, one of the coolest places in Australia was probably Lion Island, which is just off the coast of um, Central Coast. Uh, what's the place called? Del Beach. Yes, that's one. <laughs> and we had to hire a boat, and it just felt like a real, like I felt like I was in a BBC episode. And <laughs> to, we couldn't, the boat couldn't stay there, and it has to come pick us up. And then we just clambered over rocks all all afternoon in the sun, and went for a swim afterwards and had a beer. It was a really cool experience. All right, awesome. All right, thanks so much, guys. I think we've all got a bit of a primer on what you all do. A little brief introduction. Now it's your turn to ask questions. A reminder again, on your tables, you have your sheets where you can write questions or you can tweet them at in situ science. We're going to take a quick break, let these guys take a breather, get a drink. You guys, the head of the bar, get another drink. And we'll be back in 15 minutes to ask your questions. But for now, would you give our panel another round of applause? Thank you. <laughs> and we're back. Thanks so much for waiting, guys. Boy, have we got a whopper of questions here for you. We might not get around to all of them. Uh, but if you are really dying to ask these questions, on the In-Situ Science Twitter feed, we have the handles of all our researchers here, so you can nag them directly. Apologies in advance for ad advertising that. <laughs> but before we get to questions, uh, Fonti, I have to apologize. It was remiss of me to not say uh, Happy World Lizard Day for yesterday. <laughs> that is so sweet. Thank you. How, do, how did you celebrate World Lizard Day? <laughs> I didn't do anything. I, didn't, I think I posted a picture of a lizard on Twitter. That was about it. Pretty standard World Lizard Day. No, response. I didn't post one. I retweeted a picture of a lizard. Even worse. Do you even like lizards? <laughs> Is, do you know what? Who decided it was World Lizard Day? Is this a UN thing? I'm just the worst person to ask this question right Again, now. not a herpetologist. There you go. <laughs> Perfect you. answer. <laughs> All right, Cameron, I'm going to guess you're going to be pretty good at dealing with audience questions because you're a bit of a... Every summer, you're busy doing field work and also spending lots of time in front of cameras. Yes. <laughs> so the, mainly I'm popular because there's this divide between mosquito season and Australian politics. And so, <laughs> so once the politicians go on holidays, the media don't have anything to do or talk about. And so mosquitoes are the most obvious thing to talk about. And so my phone runs off. <laughs> All right, so I, I want to grill you on this. So you're, I've seen you on TV. You're quite good. You've obviously done this before. Sometimes, thank you. Yes, nice you lots of media experience. So I want to I I recreate the scene here. So I'm going to be, let's just pretend that we're not here in the Django bar. Let's pretend we're, we're on Sunrise or the morning show or something. General chit-chat about mozzie things. You're yourself. I'm Koshy. Just, you know, <laughs> and, and we're just going to go into it, all right? So Go okay. for it. Oh, hey, I'm Koshy. Uh, oh, good everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Sunrise. Oh, boy, what a... What a wonderful summer it's been, you know, having barbecues with your mates and oh boy, and next thing you know, there's mozzies everywhere. What are you going to do? 
We got someone to help us out here. Dr. Cameron Webb, welcome to Sunrise. Uh, good morning, Koshi. <laughs> it's like he's in the room, isn't it? Jeez. <laughs> now, you know what it's like to have a barbecue, having a pavlova. Next thing you know, mozzies. Cameron, what do we do to stop the mozzies? I want you to get going. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so well, how do we stop the mozzies? They're everywhere. Well, we we wear mosquito repellent for a start, and so as a scientist who works for the health department, I've become quite uh, skilled at talking about mosquito repellents and not naming any brands, <laughs> which is a real no-no. Um, and, and sometimes I find there is a difference between being on commercial TV. They'll always want me to talk about brands. They're not interested in me oh. talking about the chemicals. I've got to talk about the brands. And sometimes I'll be lined up. They'll pr have prepared a table full of <laughs> um, mosquito repellent stuff. And they'll say, you know, so Dr. Cam uh, Dr. Webb, which is the best one? <laughs> thanks and for so uh, changing the subject and getting me out of my Koshy impression mode. Okay. That was, Understood. Thanks so much. All right, we're going to do this again now. Katarina, you're, you're on uh, 60 Minutes. Um, Sam... Uh, uh, you're uh, uh, Ray Martin. Go. Can't remember what he looks like. <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't remember how he talks. <laughs> so phytoplankton, they, they seem to be everywhere. Is that, is that correct? <laughs> yes, Martin, it is. Oh, scandalous. Ray, actually. Ray. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, Ray. Whatever. <laughs> so what do we do about them? Are they, are they in our homes? Should we be concerned about this? Uh, uh, no, Ray. They belong. They they live in the ocean. Right, right. Yes. Ocean. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so it, when you go swimming, they're there. They're everywhere. But uh, you'll be fine in your home. Well, until sea level rise, and then you know they oh, may Lordy. come in the, through the. You heard it door. here, folks. Fine until sea level rises. Not in your homes. All right. Thanks so much. <laughs> The worst Ray Martin that impression a, ever. That was about as good as my Koshi was, I think. Your Koshi was quite good. I was. I forgot for a second that you weren't Koshi. Close your eyes. It's like, it's like you're there. <laughs> All right. So I want to get into these audience questions. So where do I want to start? This is a big pile. All right. Um, <laughs> dear drug person... <laughs> Hello, I have a name. It's Samuel Bannister. It's Sam, but I will answer to drug person. Go on. <laughs> what can you tell us about the links between schizophrenia and THC? Great question. Uh, so there are there is some spurious evidence for links between schizophrenia and THC or cannabis consumption in certain subsets of the population. So these are people who are probably likely to have developed schizophrenia or related illness anyway. Um, and as people continue to do these larger and larger scale um, genome-wide association studies or, or more rigorous studies of uh, causative links between cannabis use and schizophrenia, the links sort of disappear a little bit actually. So these are very, very small effect sizes that we're talking about. So it's, it's very hard to know um, if these links are real purely because the effect sizes are so small. So I would say, unless you are a you know, person who is likely to be prone to schizophrenia from perhaps a, a familial history or something else, cannabis use is unlikely to have a, a major impact on your likelihood of developing schizophrenia. 
All Thank right. you, drug person. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Samuel Bannister. There you go. Uh, I think this one's for Cameron. Is it true birds get bitten on the eyeball by mosquitoes? Also on a scale of 1 to 10, how effed up is this? Which My mum's in the audience, so I can't swear. There you go. Which way is the most effed up? 1 or Let's 10? Let's say 10. 10. Um, yeah, pretty bad. Um, so, so, yeah, imagine if you're a mosquito and you need to kind of bite a soft part of an animal to get blood. Um, and birds are mostly covered with feathers, so where are they kind of exposed bits and pieces around the face and eyes and stuff like that? So not so much fun. Not so much fun if you're a bird. Do we get bitten on the eye? Uh, the problem is that there's a lot of other easier places to bite us. <laughs> So, um, not so much. But although, if any of you kind of, you know, people will be, uh, people will present their child to me every now and again who's been bitten on the eyelid or something like that by a mosquito and is all kind of swollen up and things like that. So, um, I explain to them that I'm not an expert in human kind of health necessarily. So, um, if they could have shown me the mosquito that kind of bit them, I'd be very interested. But... Um, so in my vision of this, this is happening just in like the cafeteria of Westmead Children's Hospital. Is this, is this or correct? Shop, or the shopping centre, or just the cafe. Um, amazing. Or at the school gate, or if someone recognises me in the street. <laughs> well, you might be a little bit scared to know. We have a couple of GPs up the back that directly ask questions for you. No, that's okay. They're far, they can fire away. Uh, dengue fever. Is it coming in from up north? And if we're going up north, do we need to take anti-malarials at any stage? So, um, first of all, you wouldn't take anti-malarials to prevent dengue. Oh, yeah, um, sorry. There were two separate questions I got mixed up in my mind. <laughs> say, so, who, so who are those GPs? <laughs> Ask them uh, instead of me. <laughs> um, yeah, so, deng so dengue viruses. Dengue virus is actually kind of four different viruses. And, and one of the reasons it's so problematic is that um, you know, exposure to, to sort of multiple strains of this virus can make you more and more sick with each time you're exposed to it. So it makes it really hard um, to develop a vaccine and uh, the health impacts are really bad. So that's one of the reasons why dengue is kind of really one of the most important uh, mosquito-borne diseases in the world these days and also that it's uh, spread by mosquitoes that live in our cities. Now, we're kind of, um, we're kind of lucky in Australia in that we've got 300 species of mosquito but there's actually only one that can transmit dengue virus. And, and at the moment, that's limited to central and far north Queensland. Um, and it's not actually in New South Wales. And so when we talk about um, you know, dengue coming south or something like that, it's more about the spread of the mosquitoes. So if the mosquitoes aren't here, um, you know, there's no chance of getting, getting dengue. But um, notwithstanding living in a kind of warmer, wetter world, we might have those mosquitoes kind of in, in Sydney. But also people move around the world quite a lot and so um, you know travellers coming back to Sydney from holidays in Bali carrying the virus um, they're kind of like a pathway of introduction of the virus so if the mosquitoes were in Sydney uh, it'd be a concern uh, or in Brisbane or Perth or somewhere like that um, so in the future it might be a risk but it's a bit more complicated than just temperatures going up a little bit mm. on climate change Canarina is climate change going to be negatively affecting phytoplankton, or do we expect res CO2 to be helping? That's a very intelligent question for whoever asked that one. It is a very one. good question. <laughs> um, 
given that they photosynthesize and utilize CO2, it's a great assumption to assume that more CO2 could be beneficial. And in some studies, it has shown that their growth could improve in certain groups of algae. Um, but there is actually building evidence against a lot of different groups of phytoplankton that various impacts of climate change are having detrimental effects. Um, one such impact is my, uh, some recent work that me and some colleagues did, and um, we actually found that the increase in CO2 in the seawater, because oceans absorb CO2 from the atmosphere, um, is actually acidifying the oceans, and that is having an impact on one of the largest groups of phytoplankton and their development. So there is a lot of research out there that's suggesting that the, the bottom of the food web is going to change quite substantially as our environments change. I'm assuming that's a negative impact that you're talking about. It is a negative impact, yes. <laughs> just, just to be sure. Yeah. All right, I just want to reiterate quickly. This is Dr. Samuel Bannister. I have a letter here Drug for... Drug guy, please. Hello, Mr. CBD Devil's Weed. <laughs> Perfect. Just like all my letters. <laughs> uh, someone here is telling a story about a prescription for CBD that someone they know had used to stimulate appetite. I feel like this is a question for doctors. <laughs> But if they don't like the taste of CBD, can you add sugar? Uh, you absolutely can add sugar to CBD, I would think, without, I mean, unless you're diabetic or pre-diabetic, I think it shouldn't have a dramatic impact on your experience of the CBD. All right. They've also asked, they've never heard of the term devil's lettuce. Is it a scientific term? <laughs> it is the preferred scientific term. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm assuming this one's for Fonty. <laughs> What's your favourite lizard? Oh, that's one of my commonly asked questions. <laughs> Feel free to all pitch in on this one if you guys have a favourite lizard. I find it so hard to pick a favourite, but yes. if I were to pick a favourite and all the lizards are not angry that I do pick a favourite, it would be the dwarf chameleon from South oh. Africa. Yay! That's my favorite. We totally didn't rehearse that. <laughs> I'm a thorny devil guy myself, just putting it out there. <laughs> They're really good. Am I allowed to answer? <laughs> yes, go. Um, my favourite lizard is the Komodo dragon. Oh, oh, great cool. choice, Cameron. And I'm great thinking choice. about scaling up the mealworm on a stick <laughs> um, yes. if I ever get myself into Indonesia to collect a Komodo <laughs> dragon. I'll be there to supervise that. Fantastic. Yeah, on a boat. <laughs> this is like an extreme sports lizard fishing expedition or something. <laughs> Sounds awesome. <laughs> Sounds like we've got a, we're getting together a team yeah. to go and do this. Yes. Well, no, it's down to you, Sam. Favourite lizard? <laughs> Probably the old blue tongue lizard. What, nice. what about the blue tongue yeah, lizard? Eh? Yeah. Cool. yeah, a bit of nationalism. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> all right, this is, a, I think, an important question. We talk about all of the, the downsides of mosquitoes. If they were just weren't here, we just got rid of them all. What would go wrong? I would be out of a job. <laughs> um, so the, the, the quick answer is we don't know. And so 
Uh, scientists have been pretty good for, for you know, 100 years or so working out why mosquitoes spread uh, pathogens that make us sick. We were working out how better ways to kill mosquitoes. But no one's really been paying attention to what the ecological role or, or the benefit of mosquitoes are. So we know they're food for birds and bats and fish and frogs. We know they pollinate some plants as well. They probably help recycle nutrients in uh, wetlands and other aquatic habitats. But we're yet to kind of find a, a plant or animal that's completely reliant on mosquitoes. So from a food source, they're probably more a snack food than the staple um, diet of animals. And, and kind of that makes sense if you've ever paid attention to a mosquito. They've, you know, they, they probably have the nutritional um, value of fingernail, so they're not kind of too good to eat. Um, and so most animals prefer to bite, uh, eat other insects. But, um, yeah, they, you know, we just don't know. They probably play an important role. I don't necessarily want to sign off on their eradication just yet. Um, but um, but know, it's not some, a definite no, which is interesting. Yeah, we don't really know. And I think that that's, uh, it's, it's much harder to get funding to work out what the ecological role of a mosquito is than whether it's spreading Zika virus or not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're really barracking for the charismatic side of things. Of the 300-ish species we have, is there one that's a standout, beautiful, dashing, cunning specimen? Well, I think, I think one of the reasons I like mosquitoes is that they're quite kind of specialised to ecological niches. And so um, I'm really an ecologist at heart. And so what I like is that mosquitoes are found in very specific types of environments. So we've got mosquitoes that live in the rock pools, um, you know, over at Bondi. And then there's very specific mosquitoes that live in snowmelt streams uh, on Mount Kosciuszko and the Alpine regions. Um, but there's a mosquito called Coclotidia xanthogaster, which I'm quite fond of, which is almost like a bright orange uh, mosquito, which is quite distinctive compared to uh, many of the others. So um, that would be my answer. Where does it live? So it lives all over the place, but one of the things which is really great about it is it lives in uh, really well kind of vegetated wetlands and stuff like that. And one of the things that's really unique about it is that most mosquito larvae uh, swim around in water and they breathe at the water surface in um, using a, a structure of their body which we technically refer to as the bum snorkel. And <laughs> But the Coclotidia mosquitoes kind of like stab their bum snorkel into plants to, to breathe that way. So they're kind of all round, they're kind of neat little beasts. Right. I think you're selling me on these guys. I want to know why they're orange. Do they Do taste like Cheetos or something? Is that, are they a more delicious <laughs> snack than other mosquitoes? So you may have read my paper on... No, no. <laughs> Sponsored by Big Cheeto. <laughs> We have one very nice general question for the whole panel. <laughs> What's your favorite scientific word? I know I can jump in straight away. Mine's caudal peduncle. <laughs> so anybody, next time you'll see a fish, the bit where it goes narrow b before the tail is called a caudal peduncle. Caudal meaning tail, peduncle just meaning smushy bit. And it just, I just, it feels good to see. Caudal peduncle. It rolls off the tongue. Your turn. <laughs> I, I think mine's probably bum snorkel. <laughs> that's, that's right up there. That's like one of the best scientific terms I've heard. We've got good ones. Bum term. snorkel, devil's lettuce. A whole new scientific terms now. Two, two for bum snorkel. <laughs> It's really putting you on the spot now. Really? So, not that I want to kind of get you excited about mosquito taxonomy. <laughs> um, 
I think you do. Let's be. Let's face it. There's a there's a there's a there's a part of a, a mosquito that we might look at to kind of identify it, and it's called the saddle. And I kind of Ooh. like it's sort of part of the mosquito love. You know, I always just kind of like these terms that kind of you'd find elsewhere that just are applied to kind of science or taxonomy and things like that. So I'm going to say saddle. <laughs> In this case, by Cormac McCarthy, right? <laughs> it could be. It could any number of uh, kind of uh, injections into pop culture and stuff like that. Be. I'm already picturing little people riding mosquitoes. This is great. <laughs> is that actually where the saddle is? Am I picturing this right? No. Okay. But... <laughs> But I'm now thinking about genetically modified mosquitoes that are big enough for you to ride with yes. a saddle. That's what you'll put at the end of that lizard pole for the Komodo dragons. <laughs> the, giant mosquito. the giant mosquito for saddle. I think, I think we should start a lab together. Yeah. Because I like the idea of flying around on giant mosquitoes. Skydiving into Komodo Island. Yep. Yes. Is, isn't this one of the Jurassic Park sequels that ends <laughs> quite badly? <laughs> Are you recording this? Because this is a great grant We can't let this go anywhere now. We've got to keep this under wraps. This is great. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to move on. Apologies if you didn't get your question asked, but feel free at the end of the podcast to come up, offer these guys a drink and, and pin them down. Apologies again for offering up your services. <laughs> but I'm getting you ready. I'm getting you prepped because, as some of you may know, as is tradition for this podcast... We have a quiz, and this isn't just a fun, you know, have a laugh quiz. This is quite serious because there's a prize on the line, which has become for tradition a, a 24 karat gold handmade in situ science trophy, which I can reveal to you now. That, like I said, we're a charity, and now you know where all your donation dollars go. <laughs> we can say. <laughs> <laughs> so at the very end of tonight, we're going to have a quiz where you're going to be fighting for this beauty here. But I'm not going to throw you right into it just yet. I'm going to give you some warm-up questions. I'm going to do a speed round of questions that I've written. Katarina, I'm going to start with you. Oh. Yes. <laughs> all right, these are all questions. They're very serious scientific questions. If you're thinking face on, I'm timing this. Speed round. Katarina, your time starts... Now, what's a lichen? It's a symbiosis between an algae and a... Ah, fungi. <laughs> Thank you. I would have also accepted it's what happens when a fungi and an algae take a lichen to each other. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I want to get off the stage. <laughs> that is actually a country music song. Look it up. It's great. Uh, question number two, dogs or cats? Yes. Oh, cats. Oh. <laughs> Fred, that's incorrect. Sorry. I know. <laughs> right. Moving on. Question number three. What's your favourite type of penguin and why? Oh, the Adeli, because it's super clumsy and really funny. Uh, very cute. Nice. They're the little ones, right? They're like, yeah, be good. <laughs> good. Question number four. Final question for your speed run. You've done well. Very quickly. Who's your scientific arch nemesis and why? Ooh. Everybody's got one. Ooh. Ooh. No. I don't know. <laughs> you know what that means? It means that you're the arch nemesis of someone else. Um, probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Right of applause for Katarina. <laughs> well done. You handled them well.
right. Next up, Fonty Car. Ready for this? Speed okay. round. Ready? Your time starts now. Good old question. If you could be any animal, what would it be and why? I want to be a cephalopod, some sort of cephalopod. Uh, they're so clever and super cute. Octopus. <laughs> <laughs> Good, you know, some people might describe you already as clever and super cute. You know, don't, don't sell yourself short. That's so sweet. Is that a question? Is, are we still in the speed round? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry, sorry, I forgot. Question number two. Do lizards fart? Ooh. I don't think so. Oh. There might be some air that comes out, but they don't technically poop. They kind of, they, they poop like birds, so it's kind of liquidy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cloaca situation. Thank you, Sam. Uh, stop the clock. <laughs> What's a so clo- many questions what's a right now. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the lizard or herpetofauna excrete from. So and, and and also reproduce actually. But it's and also for birds. <laughs> Not so a they, good point. They've just got the one hole for yes. everything. Yes. Multi-use hole. Mm-hmm. Multi-purpose. <laughs> Cloaca, the multi-use hole. <laughs> I like that. Keeps it simple. How wasn't that your fi- favourite scientific word? That's a I, great I was actually thinking of it. How weird is that? <laughs> All right, we're going to restart the clock. <laughs> Here we go. Ready? Question number three. We've asked about your favourite lizard. Do you have a favourite fictional reptile and why? Oh, no, I don't. Not a fictional reptile, but if I had to choose, it would be the basilisk from Harry oh. Potter Chamber of Secrets. Nice. Yeah. Good. <laughs> All right, easy. <laughs> All right, final question. Here's a tricky one. Without spoilers, in the Game of Thrones finale, why didn't the dragon just kill you-know-who after he did you-know-what? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Because Game of Thrones is just crap in the last season. No, I want your, your, your lizard insight into the dragon mindset. Oh, lizards are... Well, that's spoilers. Uh, the animal featured in the last episode, well, one of the episodes <laughs> in the last season, I, I, I believe they're ectotherms, so they're cold-blooded, <laughs> so they don't like temperature-related humanoids from that last that episode that you're referring to. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who, are you, who are you talking about? <laughs> Have you seen the finale? The finale. <laughs> Am I asking a stupid question? <laughs> I thought you were talking about the Night King. No spoilers. <laughs> oh, I can't remember the finale. Oh, he's he he the person. It might be related <laughs> to the what? owner of the lizard. Yes. Dragon person. <laughs> Do lizards have that kind of familial loyalty? That's they. Wow, funny you ask, because lizards are actually really clever and can recognize each other through scent and and just association. So, yes. If, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, good. Good. Speed run's dragging out a little bit. Round of applause for Fonty. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Sam, you're up. All right. I'm not ready, but go on. Time starts. No. Okay. Yes or no question. Marijuana, no. should it be legalized? Yes, sorry, yes. I recant my previous <laughs> answer. Yes, yes. Good, definitely. Let's try, try to get the, the speed bonus, you know? All right. Go on. Go on. <laughs> question number two. What's your favorite Pokemon and why? Great question. Probably Pikachu, because I actually don't know that many of them. Because I didn't. <laughs> he's like, he's the little yellow one that does sparky stuff, right? Yeah. 
Pikachu, that guy, he's good. I like Eevee. Eevee's nice. Which, what does Eevee do? What does Eevee do? Is it a lizard? Be cute. It's the, the little foxy thing with three tails. I uh, don't like Pikachu. I learned that Ellie likes Licky Tongue. <laughs> <That's a good laughs> All right, speed run, move on. Question number three. Why do we yawn? <laughs> That's a great question. I've it been is. asking myself that since I was a child. Since I, you got I, up on stage. I, I, I don't have an answer for that. It's, it's, I think probably intuitively, anecdotally, and with no evidence whatsoever as a non-physiologist, that you just suddenly need a lot of air because you're so tired. So you're like... <laughs> And then, yeah, I think that's it. That's my final answer. Lock it in, Eddie. All right, Thanks. good. <laughs> Correct. Good. Fine. Question number four, final question. What's your favourite legally obtainable substance and why? Oh, great question. This could go in so many directions. <laughs> I'm going to say alcohol. Woo! <laughs> right of applause for Sam and I'm winking, <laughs> winking over this table. <laughs> Cameron? I'm ready. You're ready? All right. Speed round. Your time starts. No. What's the weirdest thing you've ever been bitten by? One of my kid's friends. <laughs> Stop the clock. Elaborate, please. No, no. I was being cheeky there. They don't bite me. They, they must have punched me, but... Um, no. Um, I probably, I probably, actually, I've been... Uh, Bitten by a fish once. Not a shark or anything like that, but just a kind of small fish. But that's about it. Sorry. Good. Not much more to tell Restart about that. Restart the, the clock. Clearly, the kids, uh, my kids' friends were far more an exciting story. I should have made something up with Gone with a Frog. <laughs> I was just expecting something obscure like a Frenchman or, you know, something oh. like that. No. All right. Restart the clock. Question number two. Other than mozzies, what are you most likely to be asked for advice on? Uh, whether it would be foolish to study to do a PhD. <laughs> and for the benefits of the people in the room, what's your answer? <laughs> no, doing a PhD is a lot of fun. And once you're finished, you realise that you never had so much spare time on your hand than when you were doing a PhD. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good job. Uh, question number three, knock, knock. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, who's there? who's there? Amos. Uh, Amos... Who? A mosquito. Uh, well done. Thanks. Question number four. <laughs> have you ever heard that one before? No? No, but I'm going to be using that. You can have that. I will, I will let you have that one. <laughs> All right. Question number four. To the nearest 100, what's the dollar amount for you to shave your beard off? To the nearest 100? Yes. Um, I don't know. Maybe for 1,000 bucks? No, no. How much? Unless, how much is that trophy worth? <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like tonight just turned into a fundraiser. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, time to open your wallets. We got a th bidding start to the thousand dollars. Thousand one hundred. Anything? No. Anybody got a shaving kit in their purse? No. <laughs> All right. All right. Round of applause for Cameron. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. Well done. I feel like I should mention, too, we have a, a range of uh, expertise in different career stages here on the panel. Uh, you talked about the decision to do a PhD, and that is a great thing. Fonty, how's the PhD going? 
that's the forbidden question. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's going great, thank you. Good. It's While we've got you well. here, guys, have you f- any career advice for Fonty? How can you help what? her through these final stages of her PhD? Really embrace that lizard glut. There's never been so many lizards in Sydney. Just, you know, you don't want that, that situation to change in a hurry. That's, that's why I'm here in Sydney. All that lizard. I was just going to say, use all that spare time you apparently have. <laughs> Where is it? I, I don't know what you're talking about, Cam. <laughs> all right. Well, if we're ready, we might go on to our mega ultimate Uber quiz. The winner of which will receive... <laughs> You can say that into the microphone. I want that so bad. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Are you happy to be score master again? All right. Thank you so much. All right. This quiz is called Guess That Ology. <laughs> we talked about what ologists we were before. I'm guessing you're all over your different ologists. So the way this quiz works is I will ask a question. You will buzz in to answer using your name. As, as a buzzer. <laughs> and do we get to do a buzzer test, all of us? Yes, we, we can do it. All right, what's your buzzer? Sweet. Sam. Nice. I feel like it's unfair. I've got a two-syllable oh. name. You can you, go with you can uh, cat. You take cat. I will accept cat. You can, I will accept font. Done. Uh, <laughs> font. <laughs> all right, so if we try this out, test round. All right. If I were to say... What do they study in ichthyology, you would say? Fontish. Oh, oh, Fonty buzzed in. It's a cat, not a fish. <laughs> fish. Correct. <laughs> ichthyology is the study of fishes. Good job. All right. We're ready. There's ten questions. Highest score wins this masterpiece. I'm so scared. <laughs> Like you're really competitive all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Question number one. What do they study in exobiology? Sam. Cameron. I think I heard Sam first. Creatures. Creatures from outer space. I'll accept that extraterrestrial life. Round of applause for Sam. Good job. <laughs> all right. One point for Sam. Question number two. What do they study in scatology? Cam. Cat. Cam. I think it would be uh, poo. Poo. Well done. (laughs) Round of applause for Cameron. (laughs) Speaking of, question number three. What do they study in spermology? No one's so quick on the buzzer now. No, they're all hesitant on that one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Great question. We're so careful right now. <laughs> <laughs> There's no negative points. It's it's fine. <laughs> you, you feel free to answer any old guess. Sam. Yes. Gametes of some kind. You know, spermatozoa of you something. Are, you're getting. You're on the right track. <laughs> okay, the sperm track. <laughs> go on. Go on from here. Genitalia. No. You're colder. <laughs> this is to turn into a different game. I don't know. You throw a guess out there. Cat. It's okay. <laughs> cats. It's not the study of cats. No. Uh, well, spermatozoa or <laughs> of oh. a particular type of gamete Ooh, of males. <laughs> <laughs> Cam, you want to have a guess? 
Has it got something to do with malaria? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Is, it, is, it, is it of plants? Yes. Plants? I'll accept that. Tree seeds. Oh. <laughs> Spermology is the study of tree seeds. Oh. Classic nice. mosquito guy, though. Is it malaria? <laughs> <laughs> it's always malaria. It's always, always malaria. <laughs> All right, question number four. What do they study in syrupidology? What? Can I have the question again, please? What do they study? Font, font. Yes. Longhorn beetles? No. No, no, but you're thinking, you're thinking right. Centipedes. I'm going to say this again. Syrupidology. This is getting weird and I'm not comfortable with the questions. <laughs> this is getting super weird. Can you spell if it? If I say syrupede again, does that help anyone? It doesn't. Cat? <laughs> but please is go it, on. Is it many feet of some sort? Ah, oh, you're, you're, you're on the... Cam. Yes. The locomotion of arthropods? No. Fanti, did you have one? No, I was going to say centipedes. But no. Does anybody in the audience have this one? <laughs> Syrupedes? No. Huh. Centaurs. <laughs> Not centaurs. <laughs> Syrupede, the name, fancy name for barnacles. <laughs> barnacles. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nobody got that one. Good. All right. Question number five. What do they study in hypnology? Font. Hippos. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hippos. <laughs> Cat. The yes. hypnotic state? What Being type? subconscious? Uh, there's one particular word I'm looking for. Oh, font. Yes. Dreams. Uh, I'll give half a point. Ah. A sleep. The study of sleep. So what? close. Yes. Hey, I don't... These came straight from Wikipedia, guys. <laughs> these are... Citation yeah, We'll have no arguing with this. All right. Question number six. What do they study in enigmatology? Cat. Yes. Riddles, puzzles. Yes. yes. Oh. Study of puzzles. Good job. <laughs> Question number seven. What do they study in oology? Cat. Yes. Eggs. Eggs. Nice. Good. <laughs> Question number eight. What do they study in pulmonology? Cat. Oh, goodness. Streaking into the lead. Lungs. I'll take that respiratory system. Lungs, good, all that stuff. Good job. Oh, I think someone's going to have to do something really special to take the lead from here. <laughs> Question number nine. What do they study in otorhinolaryngology? Cam. Cam. Something to do with the nose. Can. <laughs> <laughs> say it again. Otorhinolaryngology. Oh, uh, it's ears, near, nose, snoring. And yes, the ENT, oh. ears, nose, and throat specialist. Good job. Another yeah, point for cat. They study the ear, nose, and throat specialists. <laughs> Is that what they study? <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's go with that. <laughs> All right. Someone's going to have to make me laugh a lot for this last answer to steal it away from cat. I think for bonus points. Question number 10, final question. Deciding question. <laughs> what do they study in glossology? Cat. Yes? Tongues. <laughs> yes. Oh, <so> good. <laughs> Cat's too good. <laughs> right of applause for a cat. Good job. I would have also accepted languages over time. 
Yes, but yes, tongues and their diseases. So, Kat, would you like to come up and accept your prize? Good job, everyone. <laughs> Guys, while you're applauding, would you help me in thanking our panel one last time? Give them a big round of applause. Thank you again for coming out tonight. Happy National Science Week. That's the end of our event. Hang around, have another drink, come up, talk to our lovely panel. Thanks again for coming. And we'll see you next year. Goodbye. <laughs> He's breaking out of the cave. Yeah. I like that the most. Yeah, he's he's fleeing. He's fleeing that cave. Oh, it's gonna hurt. It's amazing. I don't know. Yeah, we got the frog up here. Yes, of course. Sorry, sorry. You're right.